Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers post game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. I was really prepared for a victory woo tonight, fam. Uh, that was that sucked. I uh, a great effort uh, by the Flyers to uh, to get this game tied back up. I thought this was a real trust the process kind of game. Fought hard dominated the shot battle. Obviously, things didn't really go their way early. A couple of goals they gave up on some questionable things that happened. I think they could have made the plays defensively. Obviously, maybe you'd like to see a uh, Samuel Erson save, especially in overtime. He's got to squeeze that. Uh, but I, I did like the fact that they stuck with what they were doing when UC Soros just looked absolutely unbeatable. They... Uh, you didn't start to see the bad body language, the looking up to the sky, the frustration set in, didn't take any bad penalties. Like, I just, I, I, I thought this was a good, whether they won or lost, the way they played for a majority of the game, a tremendously good sign. You know, last night of a road trip, you're playing well, you're looking for your fifth in a row against another very hot team, and you... You dominated a majority of this game. Now, that said, there were a lot of uh, little mistakes that could be cleaned up that they could have won in this thing. If the power play is any semblance of competent, <laughs> they win this game. But obviously, that's a, that's a bridge too far at this point in the season, at least game, what, 28, 29, and they don't have that thing anywhere near figured out. Uh, but I did like that they stuck with it. I liked the, they kept attacking. They kept going at Soros. They tried quick shots. They tried setting up cross-ice plays, anything they could to uh, to try to beat him. And eventually they did. Uh, big shout out to Nick Delorier with that fight. And of course, the extra penalty that came of it. Um, Flyers go on their power kill. They do not score a shorthanded goal. But as soon as Farabee, who was serving the penalty, we still don't know, like, was it on him? Was it an extra? Uh, the broadcast seemed confused on what what happened there, but I uh, I liked the way they played for the most part tonight. Um, little sloppy in the first period, I thought. Uh, I wouldn't say they came out flat. I thought they had enough energy. It wasn't flat, and they're like, oh, they just need more jump, more jam. I, I didn't see that. Uh, they just a lot of misconnections. Uh, on what could have been potentially dangerous uh, scoring chances, uh, some turnovers in the defensive end, turnovers at their own blue line, that a uh, little uncharacteristic of this team that's usually pretty fundamentally sound. I think maybe turnovers on uh, clearing attempts and when going for some outlet passes might be coming a bit of a trend. I'll get Charlie's, uh, I'll get Charlie O'Connor's view on that when he joins us later on in the show. Um, but for a, I don't want to say devastating or heartbreaking, like, listen, they're, they're playing really well right now. They've won a ton. They did pick up the loser point tonight. So if you are invested in a potential, uh, playoff chase, at least uh, they came through in that regard, they didn't lose. They stuck with it. They erased the two goal deficit and force overtime. <sighs> Just a bummer the way they lose it. Sam Erson makes the initial save on uh on the Philip Forsberg shot but the puck 
is not frozen. It's just sitting on top of his uh, sitting on top of his pad, and nobody really seemed to notice except for Philip Forsberg and the official in the corner. And he goes and taps it in, uh, battles in front, taps it in to get the game winner. It did take a tremendous amount of effort to uh, erase the two goal deficit, finally get something in on Saros. Saros, that's a fun way to say that. You uh, see Saros. And I did think they were probably a little gassed in the second half of the uh, the third period. Nashville, obviously you weren't going to hold Nashville to like 13 shots or whatever the hell they had. They were going to make a push at some point. Uh, but the second goal, I think I saw uh, the, the second Flyers goal, I think I saw Charlie tweet. And that could have woken them up. But I do think... Uh, I do think it was just kind of a little bit there in the third period. They were hanging on, and the Preds were like, oh, shit, we, we can't let this one get away from us. And, uh, but it was an awesome effort to, uh, to erase that, uh, that two-goal deficit, but I just think it may have taken a little bit too much out of them. End of a, I, I keep calling it a long road trip. It was only a three-game road trip, but you know, the miles traveled. Uh, pretty considerable, you know. They go across the country basically to uh, to Arizona, then they go to Colorado and play in play in the altitude there. Then they have to come, you know, what halfway back across to play in Nashville. So it's uh, they did cover a lot of ground in just three games. That could have had something to do with it, but I was pleased with most of what I saw tonight. Uh, the shot blocking, the just overall team commitment to what John Tortorella wants defensively. I, I realize like not everyone loves the idea of everyone buying in on shot blocking and collapsing in, in the defensive zone, just taking away the middle of the ice. Cause as we saw tonight, yes, it can be effective in limiting, limiting shots perimeter shots that could potentially be dangerous it does create a lot of chaos in and around your goaltender. We saw that time and time again tonight, and they, for the most part, were able to keep Sam Erson clean. Not the case in three-on-three, three, but it's, you know, three-on-three, three, it's a little different there. Um, I, I will say, like, what Tortorella has done this season in terms of allowing the team to open up offensively, uh, go for the outlet passes, constantly attack, uh, be a team that carries the puck in on offense, scores on the rush, that being their offensive identity. It all does stem from the commitment to the defensive zone play and the shot blocking that allows for those turnovers that lead to that lead to uh, the outlet passes, the odd man rushes, all the breakaways they get. So I am pleased with all of that. Um, I'm just bummed about this not being a win. Like, I was halfway through the game, I'm writing, you know, my basic outline for the show, and it's just like, oh, you know, tough luck game, UC Soros. Uh, there was one person who said, I can't wait to see how many times Bill says they got goalied. And I would say early on, yeah, Soros was great, and the Flyers were just a little disjointed, a little bit off, and then Soros just went nuts when the Flyers took over uh, in terms of offensive zone time. Um, and then, you know, they get the hard luck end of the end of the game, but uh, they did ultimately. I would say maybe, maybe not get goalied. They scored two. They had over forty shots, uh, but it was. I mean, spoiler alert. When I asked Charlie for the three stars of the game, I'm gonna guess UC Soros is number one. He would make it on mine. I'm gonna make my project. Well, I'm gonna give you my three stars, and then I'll ask for Charlie's later. It's hard to. I'm not sure what direction he's going to take it. Like, will he give Philip Forsberg a star? UC Soros definitely deserves one. Is he going to pick little things out of the game? So I'm not confident in a prediction for Charlie's, uh, but I'll give you mine off the top. UC Soros, number one. Sean Couturier, number two. And I'm, I'm going to give it to Nick DeLaurier. Uh, the fight he got in after the hit that he didn't like uh, seemed to spark the team a little bit, and like I said, put them on the power kill, which eventually leads to Faraby coming out of the box, and they get the uh, they get the goal off of that. So I'm I'm gonna give Nick Delorier one for the fight, for the uh, effort, shot blocking defensively. Looks like he, uh, Paling, Hathaway were all in on that in the third period. I think the broadcast said they had over 20 blocks in just the third. Like <laughs> that's that is absolutely freaking absurd. And while um. 
not crazy about the idea of putting the fourth line out there for some shifts in the third period. Again, you got to believe the team's a little gassed after the effort they went through. Bunch of guys got not injured, but banged up along the way. I thought Morgan Frost knocked himself the hell, hell out early in the game. <laughs> that one was rough. Uh, but, yeah, we saw Lawton block some shots. We saw Paling block some shots. They were a little stung. So I guess you got to try to roll the lines a little bit there in the third period. Um, but I was, I was pleased with what I saw out of my guy, number 44, tonight. Uh, sticking up for his teammates, all that stuff, blocking shots. So I'm going to throw him a star of the game. I very much doubt uh, that will enter Charlie's line of thinking, but I wanted to, I'll give him a third star. Like he earned it with, with his effort tonight. Um, man, Sean Couturier is back, my friends. Uh, that goal he scored, we, we've heard that the, uh, the thing he still thinks is coming back around for him, the hands, the ability to finish, making plays down low, and I think that probably plays into uh, his ineffectiveness in the face-off circle early in the season. That seems to be coming back around a bit as well. Uh, but the goal he scored, the plays uh, he made on both goals tonight, I got to believe Sean Couturier is a lot closer to the Sean Couturier pre-injury than the one I was expecting, especially, you know, in the first couple of months of this season as he's getting reacclimated. He still, he hasn't played for Tortorella until now. I realize he was practicing with the team at the end of last season, uh, but I, uh, <laughs> I gotta believe it's pretty difficult to pick up uh, everything John Tortorella wants you to do when you haven't played a game for him until, you know, this September, basically in the preseason, but he looks like he's back right now. And I am, I'm excited about that. And it's something I'm going to ask Charlie about when he joins, but you know, he could coots in terms of just offensive production. He went through a little bit of a lull at the end of October, one goal, no assists in a little five game stretch there. In the second period tonight, he extended his point streak to six games. He's now got two goals and four assists, uh, well, probably five assists now, right? Yeah, in his last six. Um, the most important part of this rebuild, retool, whatever the hell you want to call it right now, it's going to be Mitchkov being a superstar, Gauthier being a 40-goal guy, Forster, Brink, maybe Denver Barkey and Oliver Bonk being very good second-tier guys. Uh, but beyond that, Sean Couturier being some semblance of the coots we saw making a play in all three zones uh, to score his goal tonight. You know, he makes the play in the defensive end to get play going the other way. He makes a nice touch play uh, at the blue line to gain the zone. And then he finishes off the goal uh, with some good patience and good hands down low. If he's some semblance of that going forward, that is going to be as important to this rebuild as anything. Now, do I think he's a 1C on a championship team? <sighs> no. Uh, no, I don't, but if he can be an awesome shutdown two-way guy allowing for a, a high-end first line to really get out there and uh, play loose, score, be uh, just as offensively oriented as you could possibly ask, man, that's going to be huge for just the roster makeup and things you boxes you don't have to check because you already have them. Sean Couturier being that guy. Uh, is going to be huge for this team. And I have I have screwed up here. Uh, PJ, if you could give me my ad reads for tonight. I did not write them down, so I don't know what they're supposed to be. If you could just tell me or write it on the board or something, I would greatly appreciate it as I now uh, realize that was that was on me. I'm supposed to, like, you know, have an idea of what I'm going to talk about before the post game begins uh but it's i i'm bummed about this loss like and part of that feels really good i'm not going to lie caring about the caring about the outcome of these games i realize there are still a lot of people out there who are like this doesn't matter 
like what's actually going to happen? They're going to make the playoffs and lose. Like we, we just went through basically a decade of that. And I feel you. That's how I felt coming into this season. But seeing how well this team is, uh, this team is able to play, even in a losing effort tonight, you know, I really liked what I saw for a majority of this game. It is nice to care about what goes on in these games when they're actually being played. Because I got to tell you, when they told us we're doing a post game for every game, you know, preseason, I was like, ah, shit. Like, what are these post games going to be about? Because no one cares if they win or lose. It's all about the rebuild. Uh, losses or wins, all the stuff I've been saying on uh, on the post game for the last two years. It gets arduous and it gets tedious. And it, like, oh, uh, okay, so we got to go through the motions and pretend that these... But no, the games actually matter because what we're seeing from both the young guys who hopefully are a part of this thing and the veterans that contractually are probably going to have to be a part of this thing, it's really, really encouraging. And uh, to me... That makes the Flyers heroes. You don't have to win a bunch of unexpected NHL games, though, to be heroes. All you got to do, though, my friends, to buy some hero bread. Uh, listen, I think this time of year we could all use a little help making some better decisions, right? Uh, I know with football every Sunday, tons of hockey games every night, not to mention holiday parties and everything going on this time of year, I'm going to be taking in a lot of calories, specifically a lot of carbs and many of them as a beverage. <laughs> and I'm told that's not the best choice for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And that's where Hero Bread comes in, my friends. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, and tortillas that are available on Hero.co as well as Amazon. All of their products have hit the spot for me. I'm a big fan of the tortillas especially because this bread is soft, fluffy, and delicious. And right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. Yeah, I am... Even in a loss, I'm very encouraged by what I saw out of guys like Sean Couturier. You know, Tyson Forster just keeps firing. Uh, we were not able to see a third straight game of two goals from Travis Konechny, but he was also uh, one of the players who I thought was pretty much all over the place tonight. It was... This is a tough luck loss. Now, yeah, they could have made... I don't want to blame this all on luck and getting goalied, like... First of all, Samuel Harrison, you got to squeeze that, my friend. Uh, there's like, there's really no other way to put it. You got to make sure that that puck is frozen. It seemed like everyone on the ice, I get, like I said, except Philip Forsberg and the official in the corner, uh, believed that that puck was frozen. But you got to make sure you squeeze that thing. That's just a, that's just a tough play. Uh, you could have. Uh, you really need to cash in on these power play opportunities. I'm going to ask Charlie about the power play. If there's anything, I thought there were, we're starting to talk about the power play. I feel like, um, I, like this is a, like a minor league team playing in the NHL. Like, oh, there were some encouraging sequences out there. They made a few passes. They had a few shots. Like it wasn't all bad from the power play. Like, well, yeah, it's not supposed, <laughs> you have more guys on the ice than the other team. It's not supposed to be a flat-out disaster, uh, but uh, maybe there were a couple encouraging things Charlie saw. I did think there were some opportunities there to make a few plays. Yes, Erson, 19 of 22. Now, they only allow 22 shots, and like the first two goals are, I thought, really good plays by Nashville. I'm not going to say the goalie had no chance. I never, th I rarely think the goalie had no chance, but there's a lot of times you're like, ah, come on, bro. Like, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought they were really nice plays on the two goals. Despite the lack of volume for uh, for Nashville, they did have uh, they did make some pretty nifty plays to score those first two goals. But the Flyers dominated large sections of this game and just weren't able to come out with the victory. I'm happy they were able to get the point. I guess um, I do think like if you're gonna go to overtime, win it. There's nothing more annoying than those loser points. Like, if they miss the playoffs by a couple, you're just like, ah, well, all those loser points, they would have had a top 10 pick, you know? 
uh, and then it, uh, retroactively, like it was a bad year for the rebuild. If you just like you end up just picking thirteenth, like ah, uh, all right, you know it would have been nice picking eighth instead of this. But I am kind of all in on this being an actually good team. I just said it on the show yesterday, so I'm I'm abandoning Team Tank, and I'm saying let's get in the playoffs. What do you think, JP? Like, is this uh, are you now like where were you to start the year, and now what you've seen through 28 or 29 games, whatever it's been? um, Have you changed your mind? Were you always like, let's see if they can get in? What? How are you feeling about the direction of this season right now? My stance the entire year was pretty simple. I just wanted to see good hockey because what we saw over the past couple of years was pretty dysfunctional. So I just wanted to see some semblance of of a good hockey team that was heading in the right direction. I kind of felt that they were going to be a borderline playoff team, but they're obviously exceeding our expectations right now. But you're seeing a hardworking team. Obviously, talent is still needed here. You're seeing that with the power play. Again, 0 for 4 here tonight. Yeah. But I do think that the foundations are being set here, and I think that is what's important. And going forward, no matter talent's going to come no matter what, but you're setting that foundation that is going to go long way going down the line. I absolutely agree. The, uh, the power play has been ugly and that's not great, but you know, what isn't ugly? Everything. Oh, I, that's a dumb, that's a dumb one. Let's, let's forget. I did that. Uh, FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Maybe you need some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10. That's promo code PHLY10 for 10% off at FOCO today. And let me just tell you, with, with the holidays coming up, Christmas, you know, a classic Christmas gift is the, uh, you know, like the red flannel, pajamas, something like that. Nah, that's, like, come on, that, that's too cliche. That's been done. Get your significant other the Flyers PJs that they have at FOCO. I think you'll really like them. They look comfy as hell. They're fun design. And it's just a little different, a little something different. I'm a sucker for some good pajama pants. I wear pajama pants like 80% of the time. Basically, when I'm not in the studio, I'm wearing pajama pants. So take it from me, a pajama pants connoisseur. Go to Foco. <laughs> That's <laughs> so much of like what I have prepared was like, well, what happens when they just lose this game to nothing? Like, how will they respond? Like, most of my questions for Charlie were going to be like, what was the best meal you had on the trip? <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Because he did take my advice last night. He had a night off. He was in Nashville. He went to Acme Feed and Seed, and uh, he, was, he was ready to go. But Charlie is ready to join us now. So let's bring him aboard. Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. What's up tonight, Chuck? It is good to hear you. I'm going to, no matter what, I'm going to celebrate when I get you on the first try every single time. Um, I just want to start with, I want to start with something positive, Charlie, because that one really bummed me out. And there is something to be said, like, I care about the outcome of these games, something a couple of months ago I did not think was going to be the case. So that's like a positive in a negative. But I want to talk about Sean Couturier because the goal he scored tonight, I thought, was just vintage him. He made a play in all three zones and then finished it off with some nice hands, nice patience down low. Uh, I said the most important part of this rebuild is going to be the young guys like Mitchkov being a star, Gauthier being a 40-goal guy, having a bunch of good second-tier players and Forster, Brank, Barky, Bonk, all those guys. But Sean Couturier being some semblance of what we saw on that goal tonight is as huge as anything. How are you liking Coots? It seems like them hands are coming back, doesn't it? I thought he was the Flyers' best player tonight. 
by a not insignificant margin. That's not just because he had two points. Obviously, he had the goal, which I think was huge, not just to score a goal, but also given the circumstances, they could not beat UC Saros. Saros was was on his game, and they were about to go into the second intermission, still down 2 nothing, and they were just going to have to spend that entire intermission grumbling about the officiating and about how, like, we're never going to be able to beat this guy. And Coots gets that goal with, uh, you know, with 23 seconds left, and it's an entirely new game. And then they come out. They come out firing to start the uh, you know start the third period. They pretty much controlled the entire period up until the point when they scored. And then Nashville had a pushback. But I thought Coots was was fantastic all night long. The advanced metrics back it up. He uh, in terms of expected goals uh, on ice expected goal share uh, per uh, natural stature, he led the team at eighty three point three three percent. He was just great. And and to me, I mean, I. I was working on a piece comparing Sean Couturier pre-injury back surgeries to what we've seen thus far this year and more or less trying to figure out like, okay, what's back, what isn't quite back yet, and what might never come back? Well, I started working on that piece about a week and a half ago, and in the interim, I'm not sure I say that there's anything that is worse than what it was pre-back surgeries, aside from maybe face-offs, and he seems like he's getting better at them too. Yeah, the face-offs are coming around, and I kind of, I chalk that up to the same thing as the hands down low, the finishing, like all that stuff he said was still kind of coming back to him a little bit ago. Like, I kind of put face-offs in that same category, uh, and those seem to be coming back as well. I thought, Charlie, this was a, until the end result, um, a really good sort of trust-the-process game. You know, they fought hard. They obviously dominated the uh, the shots on goal battle. Uh, UC Soros was insane uh, for a lot of this game. But the Flyers stuck with it. You didn't see any of that bad body language. Obviously, they were frustrated with some of the officiating, but they didn't sag. They didn't, like, start to just get in their head, get frustrated, and let, like, okay, and now we're going to give up a third goal, and now the game's basically over, you know, because – it's not like they have a ton of comebacks this season to be like, oh, well, we're capable of this. Uh, but I, like, what was what's the mood of everyone after this game? Like, is it obviously no one's happy with a loss, but end of a long road trip, really good effort. I think they might have just kind of run out of gas late in the third. Like, what's everyone feeling after this one? I mean, I think the players were frustrated because they saw an opportunity to win the game. They played a really good game. They obviously outshot the Predators by a lot, and they came back to tie it, and they feel like they they lost a point. But I don't think they were mad. I think they know they played well. John Tortorella, after the game, was frustrated they lost, but not angry with the team. He thought the team played a really good game, and honestly, they did. You know, the only the only part of this game that, in my mind, they didn't control were those final, basically the, the stretch in the third period after uh, Sanheim scores the uh, scores the goal. And even with that, yeah, they weren't controlling play. I thought there were long stretches of that third period where Nashville took over. But even that stretch of play, the Flyers were happy with it because they were absolutely selling out like crazy in terms of blocking shots. I mean, they were, they were a shot blocking machine over those final 10 minutes of the third period. And that's the kind of stuff that John Tortorella loves. Like he's going to eat that shit up because that just shows how much they care. You know, they got that dog in them, things like that. So he's going to love that shit. And to me, this is, this is a game where look, you almost can't look at this game in isolation. You got to look at it. And I was there for every game of this trip. But you got to look at it in, in the context of the entire road trip. They go to they go to Tempe. They go to play the Coyotes, a red hot team. They beat them. Then they go to Denver to play against one of the cup favorites. They beat them and they beat them pretty darn good. And then they go into Nashville, which is actually a pretty darn difficult place to play. It's a cool atmosphere. I mean, it wasn't wall to wall packed. I've certainly heard this place louder, but it was pretty much full. And and it's fun. It's it's a fun place to play. The 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 Predators really do, I think, you know, feed off of the crowd's energy. And they st- they stared down the barrel of two nothing against the hot goalie, and they came back and they took a point. To me, this is a really good road trip, and that's the only way I, I really think they should be looking at it. It's just this is a really good road trip where they got five out of six points. Yeah, I think overall it's hard to like it's hard to call the road trip anything but a success when you get five out of six against the competition. Obviously, 
nobody thought coming. Oh, yeah, like Arizona, they're going to be really good. Well, they have been. And same thing for Nashville. Like, no, I didn't think Nashville was going to be a cup contender or anything, but they've won seven out of 10, like 10 out of 13 or something. They've been hot. And UC Soros was vintage Soros tonight, and they get a point in the last game of a road trip. I'm bummed by the result, but good. Like, uh, when you look at the trip as as a whole, it's hard to be disappointed with five out of six, Charlie. Um, I do want to talk about Samuel Erson tonight. Um, I have been advocating for a little more playing time for him. Maybe you can go to a bit more of a tandem. I don't think the numbers accurately depict how good he was tonight. I think he was decent at least. Uh, they didn't give up a ton of shots. I mean, they had the puck for most of the game. Uh, so like you give up a few goals, that's going to just look like a bad save percentage. But I thought he made some pretty big saves. The two goals they scored in regulation, I thought were just pretty damn good plays by, uh, by Nashville. Maybe Sanheim could have stepped up on the one. It kind of looked like he froze when the puck came into the slot, but he also scored. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill him. Uh, but what did you think of Arison? And uh, what did you think of the, uh, the, the goal that lost the game? Was it just bad luck? Was it too loose? What did you think? Well, I mean, when we talked to Arison after the game, he took the blame entirely. He said, look, it, it sucks that we lost, and it sucks that we lost on a goal where I feel like I should have stopped that. And the thing is, he did mostly stop it. You know, it's not as if he didn't make the save. He just didn't completely squeeze the puck. And he admitted that, you know, he considered in that split second time before Philip Forsberg came around and, and popped it in, he's like, I thought about maybe falling backwards. Cause, but he basically said, I just wasn't sure if I had it or not. And he thought, if I do have it and I fall backwards, I might basically kick it in myself. So I think I'll just I'll just stay where I am. And in his defense, I think the only the only two people on the ice who knew that puck was not covered were Philip Forsberg and the official behind the net. Everybody else on the ice thought Harrison had it. Look, should he have squeezed it? Yeah. And I'm sure he thinks he should have squeezed it because he's a competitor. He's a goalie. And he thinks he should have stopped that shot because it was a stoppable shot. But I don't think it takes away from the fact that he had a pretty solid game. I don't think he was amazing. He obviously wants to have that one in in overtime back. But as far as a backup goalie's performance goes, I think he was fine. I think he made some made some tough saves. Um, he obviously got a lot of help in the third period from his shot blockers, who he definitely called out, um, you know, for praise in his uh, his post game interview. But look, I just think Arison's a guy that the team has confidence in. You know, they believe that he's a good goalie, and uh, and I think he's a good goalie. I, I'm with you in that. I don't think the numbers this year. I know they look ugly because of those first few starts, but I don't think they they accurately represent his talent level and his quality. Uh, tonight, yeah, he probably should have stopped the overtime goal. But beyond that, I mean, honestly, the second goal that, that they scored, that there was some argument, I believe, I think Boucher pointed this out on the broadcast, that Travis Konecki probably should have been called for a holding penalty on the game tying goal. On the other side, though, like that second goal by the Predators probably shouldn't have happened because Garnet Hathaway has that puck on a delayed penalty. That whistle should be blown. So if anything, it's just like, okay, well, we're even now. You know, both teams got a goal they probably shouldn't have had because the ref screwed up. And the uh, the thing that Konechny did that probably should have been a penalty was deemed legal earlier in the game when it happened almost exactly the same to Joel Farabee. So the Fair. officials set the precedent. That's actually, while it's bad officiating because it's an obvious <laughs> penalty on both ends, well, they decided it was legal in this game. So what are you going to do? You know, that's what the officials do. They make up the rules as they go along. And they decided tonight that sort of play is completely legal. Uh, so <laughs> it's, you know, too bad about that, Nashville. You still got two points. It'll be okay. Um, I, I, I guess I just have to. Well, you know what? Before I get to another negative thing, I, I'm going to ask for your three stars in a couple of minutes. I predicted yours last time. This time, I don't have a good feel for what you're going to do. But if I was to choose three stars, Nick Delorier would be included because gotten the fight that sparked the tying goal. Not only that, he put the Flyers on the power kill in order to do it. <laughs> uh, I'm not crazy about the like there was like, I guess, seven minutes left. And I saw the fourth line out there and they're kind of hemmed in. Now, they blocked a bunch of shots and did did some good work. I'm not crazy about the idea of the fourth line being out in that situation, but end of a long road trip, you know, we've covered a lot of ground traveling. I get it. It's a tough place to year on the road, whatever. Um, but I, 
I was uh, very happy with what I saw out of my guy, 44, tonight. What did you think of the fourth line? Any thoughts? Well, what I'll say it, with regards to Delorier in particular, I will tell you that he is not making my three stars. <laughs> however, however, and this is this is worth pointing out, like if if you are going to prioritize having someone like Nick Delorier on your roster and in your lineup, what he did tonight is exactly why you have him, where you have Owen Tippett takes a hit that it's like it's not quite dirty, but it's a little late. It's a hard hit to one of your young players. And Nick Delorier basically just goes, basically hops right on the ice right after the hit and then goes right at the Lausanne and basically says, you can't do that without fighting. And you know what? Like, that is exactly the kind of shit that hockey players, and I'm not talking just talking about, like, non-players, like people who just watch the game and are former players. Like, that's the kind of stuff that the guys on the bench are going to appreciate because Owen Tippett's going to be like, yeah, you know what? Like, I took that hard hit, but, but, but D'Lo's got my back. And, like... Look, that's the kind of intangible shit that it doesn't pop up in the numbers, but I'm sure it does foster team camaraderie. And, like, that's the kind of play. Like, I, I hate the stage fights. I hate the ones where it's just like, oh, right off the face off, like, we're going to fight because we got to put on a thing for the crowd. I know you like it because it's a fight. I find that stuff ridiculous. The fights I like, number one, I like the spontaneous fight, the one where, like, two guys are just pissed off at each other and they're like, you know what, we're settling this with our fist. Love that. And I like that kind of fight because that's the kind of fight where it, it's purposeful and it's being it, it's basically making a point not only to the other team, but to your teammates that you don't mess with our young players. And that's supposedly why Nicolas Laurier is here. So you know what? If that's why he's here, that's exactly the kind of situation I want him jumping over the boards and basically telling Jeremy Lozon. Hey, you you want to you want to give like a, a borderline hit to Owen Tippett? You're going to have to answer for it. That's my favorite kind of fight is. Uh what we saw out of Gudbrinson this weekend. Uh, when you just go, oh, well, the refs aren't going to protect me. I'm going to fuck someone up then. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but what we saw what we saw tonight out of Delorier is, is that's, that's why he's here, exactly. And yeah. whether you agree with that line of thinking or not, the players uh, pretty much unanimously do. Like John Scott yeah. tweeted about it today. Like, every enforcer will tell you it's not about the shit they did on the ice. Their most, the most value every enforcer has ever had is the shit that didn't happen. Now, it's impossible to prove a negative. So, yeah, okay, I guess. Uh, but, uh, but all the players believe it, so it's true. You know, like, nothing you can really do about that. I got to talk about this goddamn power play now, Charlie. Uh, I Ooh, joked boy. about, like, during the game, uh, like when Nashville was just seemed to be in a parade to the box in the first period, I was like, they're playing hack-a-shack basically. Like yeah. we, they're, <laughs> they're beating us. So what are we going to do? We're going to put them on the power play. Cause it has absolutely no chance. Um, I, I'm perplexed as to how this team can be this ineffective on the power play. I get, it's not going to be great. I get they're not going to be 25, 30%. Like, that's, that's a world in which we don't live right now. They don't have the talent for that. How can they be 0 for basically every night? Like, they <laughs> cannot score. It is the luckiest shit in the world. Like, that's finding a 20 in the laundry uh, lucky every time they, they score. Like, it has it just... Uh, I don't even know if I have a question about it, but like, what the fuck? How is it this bad? You know, it's, and this is honestly sad. It's sad that this is a game where they go 0 for 4. It maybe is the biggest reason they lost the game. And I said to myself, you know, in comparison, they actually didn't look that bad tonight because they did create a lot of chances. They had 18 shot attempts. They had six high danger chances. They almost scored a couple times. And, like, they were objectively bad. They went 0 for 4 in a game that they lost in overtime. You score on one, they probably win this game. But in comparison to some of the really bad games they've had on the power play, like, this was okay because at least they did stuff. At least they almost scored a couple times, which is far from a guarantee when the Flyers go on the power play. No, that's, I, I was saying, I was saying earlier in the show, talking about, I was like, the way we're talking about this online, like, uh, I, Jeffler uh, made this comment about, um, 
about uh, Slavkovsky in Montreal a couple of days ago on Twitter where he was like, the way people are talking about this dude who was taken number one is like he's some seventh round pick who shouldn't who's like happy to be out there and it's like oh he made a nice play see like the way we're talking about this flyers power play now it is as if they are an echl team and oh my god did you see it they they almost completed a cross ice pass like i saw forster tee up a one-timer that's basically two goals if they were a real team like the way we're talking about this power play now is the height of ineptitude um we did get a question and i I just want to know how you feel about this um, because it's from your buddy on Twitter, Flyers Goose. Uh, I know you love answering <laughs> all his questions. Um, <laughs> do you think there's merit to adding a power play quarterback? And he gives the example of Tyson Barry, especially if they move out multiple D men. Is that Ronnie Adder's opportunity? Seems like an experienced power play quarterback could be a tide that lifts all boats for the other four guys on the power play. If they are to move out, like say they move all the defensemen we're talking about, uh, Risto, Sealer, Walker, and maybe even Stahl. I don't know who would want Stahl because Igor Zamula looks horrible and they're still playing him over Stahl, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> like, Do you think maybe adding a power play quarterback could help these dudes develop? I, I think where I'm at is I am very much in agreement with Danny Breer and what he told me in the interview I did with him this weekend that they're not going to buy. I don't think they are in the position right now where they should be relinquishing assets. Now, I mean, if you could get Tyson Barry for a sixth round pick, yeah, I mean, I think about it. But the idea of trading an actual valuable asset for a power play quarterback who there's a really good chance that he won't be able to do what Torch wants him to do at five on five anyway. Like you've seen Tyson Barry try to play defense. He's like Tony D'Angelo levels bad. <laughs> it's not good. And I really, really don't think that's going to work with John Tortorella, especially given the full fledged buy-in he has on the part of the entire team. I don't think this is the kind of position where you want to bring in somebody who is allergic to playing defense. So I would say no. I I do like the idea of, you know, if you if you do ultimately trade, say, Sean Walker and Nick Sealer and Mark Stahl, like all three of them or two of the three or whatever, then, yeah, I mean, they're going to bring people up. I will say, you know, with regards to Ronnie Adder, I'm look, I'm a fan of his game. I've always liked him as a prospect and I'd like to see him get another look. That said, when I asked Danny Breer in part two of my interview, hey, which guys in the AHL might be, you know, in line to get a call up if they keep playing this well, Ronnie Adder was, was noticeably not mentioned. He mentioned Emil Andre. He mentioned Helge Grand. He mentioned Samu Tuamala. He did not mention Ronnie Adder. He didn't mention Adam Jinning either. And I think that was intentional. I think he intentionally withheld those two guys' names basically to, in a way, kind of throw the gauntlet down and be like, if you guys want to get called up, you better play better. Because, look, I'm not watching the Phantoms, so I can't speak to how well these guys are playing or not. All I can speak to is the impression I'm getting from people in the organization. And the impression I got from Danny Briere is that, hey, if you're, if you're waiting for Ronnie Adams to get a call up, you might be waiting for a while because it doesn't, I don't get the sense they're too thrilled with them. But I do like the idea of giving some of the guys down there who maybe deserve a, should deserve a look, giving them a shot to run the power play because how it can't, can't be any worse. Like we, we saw Ristolainen today just get turnstiled a shorthanded. Like that's not working. Cam York is your best bet, but Cam York is, is not a high end power play one right now. He just isn't. Now, could he be that in a year or two? Maybe, and I don't think it's a bad thing for them to keep throwing him out there and letting him develop in that role because maybe he gets better. But right now, it's clear that he's not that good at it. But also, no one on this power play seems to be that good at it, so I don't want to be too hard on it. Is there a world, and like I know a lot of our preconceived notions about John Tortorella, whether he has evolved as a coach, whether he gets a bad rap sometimes, uh, but, like, I don't see him ever doing this. Do you think there's a world in which they go five forwards on the power play ever? No, I would be shocked. I, yeah. It just, well, it, well, and also, it's not, like, this isn't Torts. I, look, I know in the end, Torts is the head coach, so he answers for everything. But Rocky Thompson runs the power play, and I just don't really see Rocky Thompson as being the type of guy who, um, who would go five forwards. 
it just, I, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I mean, to me, and it's funny, because I tweeted this during the game, and it kind of fits with your idea of, like, I'm pivoting to the, like, Flyers, let's try to have them make the playoffs because it'll be fun. Like, there have been things that I have been cutting the Flyers slack on in terms of decisions, in terms of usage, because my thing is, like, it's a rebuilding year. Who cares whether this guy's getting... 18 minutes a night versus 15 minutes a night. But if we are in agreement that this Flyers team might be good and that it would be cool if they run, take a run at a playoff spot, like things like Joel Farabee not being on the power play suddenly are much more annoying because then it's like, okay, why is he not on the power play when he's one of your best five on five scorers and he's one of your more talented forwards who again had another nice assist tonight. And look, I'm a big Scott Lawton fan. I like him a lot as a player. Joel Farabee's more talented offensively than Scott Lawton. Like, it's a no-brainer that Joel Farabee should be on the power play over Scott Lawton. And when the team, when, when my mentality is the team's rebuilding, like, whatever, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather Joel Farabee be on the power play, but it's not that big of a deal. Maybe this is a developmental thing where they're, they're, they want him to do certain things at even strength to, to earn his way back onto the power play. Maybe it's they're kind of holding that ahead of him as, like, a carrot. I can get behind that. Like, whatever, Sure. But if you are suddenly a team that has designs in the playoffs, you shouldn't be not using a guy like Joel Farabee on your power play. Joel Farabee should not be getting under 15 minutes a night. Those sorts of things. Like, we get into Nick Delorier. Well, I, I acknowledge that tonight he did what, you know, you expect and you want from a guy in that role. I also think that if you're trying to compete for a playoff spot, Nick Delorier should not be playing in 82 games. Like, he should be in a scratch rotation because like he's not that great of a five on five player and he's not even on the penalty kill anymore because you have so many other better penalty killers. So he's basically just there to be policemen. And that's fine when you're rebuilding because you're focused on the kids. But if you're trying to maximize wins, I don't think he does that every single night. So if I'm going to pivot to this, like, hey, the Flyers might be good, I'm going to be a bit harder on that on them for the things that. The, the the lineup and roster inefficiencies that they've had throughout the year. Let me put it that way. No, and that makes a ton of sense. Like I said, I'm I'm with you. Like in the if we're going to pivot to this, all right, it's a borderline playoff team, which means they could get in if they play well. Like everyone has to pull their weight, and that includes the decision makers. Whether it's yes. who, whether it's the head coach making the lineup, whether it's the you know power play coach deciding who's on the power, whatever it is. Like those are things that you focus much more on when every point or two is going to be the difference between making the playoffs. Cause the most annoying shit in the world to me is going to be missing by a couple of points and picking 13th. Like <laughs> if they're going to get in, get in. If they're not fucking lose out, you know, <laughs> like, right. uh, so we're, it's, it's going to be, a pivot for everyone, maybe, in how we evaluate things. I'm not going to keep you much longer, Charlie. Uh, so let's get let's get to Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game, and let's start with star number three. Okay, so here's one question I do have because I, I feel like we need to establish these parameters. When I do three stars, am I doing three stars of the game, or am I doing three flyer stars of the game? I would say, like, as it pertains to tonight, I would say we lean flyers. And, like, if there's someone who did a little thing, if they lose, but there's someone who did a little thing that you want to point out, that's cool. Uh, on a night like tonight, I'm assuming you want to put UC Soros in there. Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, he had a fucking 112 saves. So, like, you're more than free to do something like that, I would say. <laughs> Okay, okay. In that case, I guess I will go. Yeah, I guess I'll go connect me with my third star. I think he was all over the ice tonight again. Um, obviously gets a point on the uh, on the Sanheim goal, but I thought he was just good all around. Um, just He's just the Flyers' most talented, dynamic player, and he shows that on a regular basis. So I'll put him third. I think Sean Couturier is the second star. I think he was the best flyer on the ice. I think he was fantastic all night. Obviously scores that huge goal at the end of the second period, but I didn't think that was like his only good play. I thought he was dominant throughout. 
And then the first star is Yuzi Saros. I mean, he's the reason why the Flyers lost this game. Yuzi Saros was fantastic basically from start to finish. If there's a league average goalie in net, the Flyers probably win 4-2. So Yuzi Saros is my number one star. And that's, it was, it was just incredibly frustrating coming in. I even said this during the, uh, when I recorded my bets, uh, my bets for the game earlier in the day, like UC Soros, I assume is starting tonight. It hadn't been announced and he's not having the prototypical Soros year. Like his, his save percentage coming in was like nine Oh six. His, uh, his goal save above average was still positive, but it wasn't like double digits. Like it normally is, you know? Uh, but it, like, he's just not having an amazing, definitely going to be a Vezina finalist season. He's just having an okay season, but I said the exact same shit about Ilya Sorokin and then two times in five days, he basically dominated the flyers. <laughs> like, and I was like, I, I see this happening again uh, with Soros. And of course it came to be sometimes, sometimes you run into a goalie like that. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. That's and, what and also, and also, I mean, while you're right that Soros, if you look at his full season numbers, he hasn't been, the UC Soros that is, you know, battling for Vezna's over his last few starts, that guy is coming back, like going into this game in December, he had a 953 save percentage, like UC Soros, the Vesna contender is very much back and the Flyers just ran into him tonight. They ran into Soros playing at his absolute best. And I think you should credit the Flyers for the fact that they faced Soros at his absolute best and still, still got a point out of it on the road. All right, Charlie, just real quick, Igor Zamula, um, he, he was rough tonight. He continues to play not very well. Is there, you mentioned like maybe Hell J. Grons, like someone other than him who could potentially get an opportunity soon? No, I, I think they're going to keep this up. I'm actually, I, I'm actually not really writing on this game, but I am writing a story on basically on the fact that Mark Stahl is actually getting scratched. And I, I interviewed Mark Stahl today after morning skate, basically just about the fact that like, hey, you've played in 1,100 games and now you're seemingly a regular healthy scratch. Like, how are you handling that, bud? Um, so I will have that piece up sometime either tonight or tomorrow. Um, but I think with Zamula, we talked to Torts. Torts actually really liked Zamula's games last week. He liked how he played. He liked how he played a lot against the Coyotes, and then he liked how he played against the against the Avalanche. I think he played terrible tonight. I think he had two egregious turnovers, one in the first period, one in the second period. Then he had, I think, a defensive breakdown in the third that almost led to another goal. He had a bad game. But I think the way they're looking at it is we need to figure out what we have in this guy. He's he's up and down. It's not like he's only been bad. He has good games and bad games. This was a bad game. But it seems like they are committed to figuring out what they have in Igor Zamola. So I would expect this to keep going. And I think Mark Stahl has been prepared and informed that this is going to keep happening. He's going to keep kind of going in and out of the lineup. They're not going to just sit him forever. So the people that just want Mark Stahl relegated to the press box for a month, that's not going to happen either because they actually think that Zamola will benefit from watching games here and there. But expect Igor Zamola to play regularly and expect Mark Stahl unless someone gets hurt to be the guy who comes out for him. Like, I think that's just going to be what we're dealing with. And the flyers are going to let Igor Zamola develop. And if he develops into something good, great. If he doesn't, then maybe by February, they try somebody else out that's in the minors right now. And like to in Zamola's defense, like there is two thirds of the season left. He could find yeah. some sort of stability, some sort of consistency. And at the end of the year, we'll go, yo, hell of a year for that guy. Uh, I really hope I haven't, uh, I'm looking forward to reading your piece when it comes out. I really hope Mark Stahl's like, 1.1 million dog i barely have to play this is dope i hope they <laughs> i hope they wave me and send me to the phantoms because there's no escrow in the ahl i'll make even more <laughs> like i hope that's oh how he's God. taking it but i will wait to uh i will rate wait to read your piece when it comes out finally chuck i saw you took my advice you went to acme feed and seed last night was that the best meal of your road trip? You've been gone for like 100 days in a row. What was the best thing you did on your Arizona, Denver, Nashville road trip? That's a good question. It probably was the best meal of the road trip. Um, the wings were good, but the uh, the hot chicken, that was stellar. Hot chicken with the gravy and the mac and cheese, that was fantastic. Highly recommend if you're in Nashville check that out it's like all the way down broadway like you have to walk it's like past the last all of the place bars before the titan yeah. stadium 
exactly exactly but it was fantastic it was funny actually so i got done and um i was like nursing what was left of my beer before i was gonna head back because i was tired last night i was gonna head back to my hotel and they had a grateful dead tribute band playing downstairs so i'm like all right do i like the grateful dead at all no but i guess i'll watch this for a little bit and finish up my beer but no the food was great um i went to a um I went to a steakhouse in Denver for lunch, and that was good. But I would say the hot chicken was hot chicken from Acme. That was the uh, the top one, and not Acme, the grocery store. No, this no. is an actual. And this is an buy good food, and it's like a sit down place. It's very very good. Highly yeah. recommend. So thank thank you for telling me about that one, Bill. Much appreciated. That's you went to like two of the three cities where I've like spent some time on road trips and stuff, and it was like. Yeah, man, that was the best meal I had on like one road trip where we stopped in Nashville. Uh, I recommend it to everyone who goes down there. Uh, but thank you, Charlie. You'll actually be back in studio tomorrow. Our show is at, I believe, 430. That's what I told Kelly. So I hope it's true. Yep. Uh, so we're going to have the crew here in studio tomorrow. I will be very happy to see Chuck in person. It's been a while, uh, but that'll do it for tonight. So thank you very much, Charlie, for all your hard work out on the road. And I look forward to uh, to talking to you in, what, like five and a half, no, 15 and a half hours or something? <laughs> I'm terrible at math. All right. Take it easy, Chuck. All right. Bye, Bill. All right. I have no idea if those numbers were right. Uh, listen, it was it was a lot of fun getting to talk to Charlie while he's been on these trips, getting a little bit different of a uh, perspective, but he's he's coming home so too are the flyers maybe you're real into what you're seeing right now you want to go check them out well guess what the best way to do it it's with the game time app baby buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I almost say Dame Time like 60% of the time I read that. At least once. I'm like, uh, no, game. Actually, game time. It's not the play on words for Damian Lillard. It's the actual phrase, game time. So make sure you download that app. Get all your Flyers tickets with it. And uh, while we're talking, maybe, maybe you need to supplement that morning routine. I know. I'm feeling that way, and the best way to do it is with our new partner, AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I've told you plenty of times before, my life pre-PHLY was routineless. My schedule was different every day, but now that I've got some normalcy back, I want to try to be a little bit healthier. And AG1 is a tremendous way to kick off my morning routine. I drink AG1 every morning to start my day because it makes me feel like I'm doing something good for my body because I'm giving it the nutrition it craves and just starting off on the right foot. One scoop of AG1 for me and some water, maybe even my coffee while I'm getting my dog's breakfast together, his medicine together. And before I've even taken a shower or anything, I think I've already accomplished something and that sets me up to keep going throughout the rest of my day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com flyers. That's drinkag1.com flyers and check it out. And something that I, I think should be stressed more because it's like you're, you're putting this powder and water and it's like this green, like who knows what this green stuff tastes like. You've probably tried things like it before and it's like, oh, this tastes like kale and rubber. Awesome. No, AG1 is actually kind of delicious. Like, look at me. I'm not eating. I'm not doing something that's like, oh, this is miserable. This is a miserable experience. I rarely inconvenience myself in any way. Uh, you know, I am the meme like. I think I've earned a little treat. 
I have never once denied myself anything. <laughs> like, so AG1 actually tastes pretty good, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. All right, that will basically do it for the rest of tonight's show. I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search PHLY Flyers wherever there are podcasts. You know the drill. Make sure you're following us right here on YouTube. Never miss a live show. Never miss a post game. Set the alerts. So you're like, oh, I, I you know, totally forgot there was a game tonight. I was out with the family doing stuff, whatever. Ah, my phone tells me there's a post game. I'll catch up on what the Flyers did. You will very much enjoy yourself. And while I know I told you Flyers are coming home, everyone's excited. Use the Game Time app to get tickets. I want you to do that for every game for the rest of the season, except for this Thursday, December 14th. I want you to go to allphly.com. I want you to click on the Events tab, and I want you to ch check out the PHLY Takeover with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, it's going to be a great time on Thursday. Charlie and I are going to be there for the pregame meetup uh, at starting at 6 o'clock. I'm going to be with you throughout. I don't know if Charlie's going to be like, okay, i got to go do my big journalism thing and remove himself and go to the press box. Uh, but it, even if he does, I will still be there. And honestly, yeah, that's all well and good. Who cares about meeting me and Charlie? Your ticket it comes with all-inclusive food and drink through the end of second intermission. The question is not why should you do this, it's why not. So make sure you join us for the Flyers Takeover. It is this Thursday. You can get tickets right now. Check out our socials for the links or go to allphly.com and uh, click the events tab and get your tickets right there. It's going to be a great time. And there's an exclusive discount for diehards. So if you're already a PHLY diehard, bang, it's cheaper. You still get the free food and drinks and your ticket's a little cheaper. Uh, if you're not, go to allphly.com, get two birds stoned at once, become a diehard, and then buy the event tickets. All right, that'll do it for me. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. For Charlie O'Connor, my name is Bill Matz. We will be back tomorrow at 4.30. Have a great week, Philly.